Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and I have Autumn Brennan here, our resident teen expert. Welcome, Autumn. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am the, I guess, the, the leader of the teen program. Here I am. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so we're here to talk about how to assess whether or not your child, your teen is in effective therapy, especially if um, a therapist is, is sharing with you that your sensitive teen just needs to get their emotions out. Uh, if you feel like your, your teen just needs to let it all out in order to, to regulate, uh, we're going to talk about why that is super unhelpful today. So make sure that you are paying attention to what we have to talk about, because this is a common misconception in dealing with the meltdown shutdown cycle for highly sensitive kids and highly sensitive teens. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling? If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. So why do we know what we're talking about? Here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids and teens eliminate the daily meltdown shutdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. We help parents of young children, and then we work with teens and parents together. And we've been doing this for over a decade. Uh, we've helped hundreds of families at this point uh, in the coaching business alone. And uh, we've been doing, we, you know, we've had that business uh, is younger than, than, than the 10 years that we've been doing this in our career. Um, and so it's important to understand the, the, the biggest challenge that parents can have in this dynamic, uh, especially as a teen, you know, parent of a teen, right? Um, most parents of teens who are stuck in the shutdown, isolation, refusal cycle are grateful to hear their teen finally let it all out, right? Nobody understands me. You don't get it. Uh, my friends hate me. Uh, and you might be wondering whether or not that information and the delivery of that information to you uh, is helpful for your teen to, to share, right? So Autumn, let's talk a little bit about how this dynamic can come about. What, what are parents who are stuck in this cycle experiencing with their teen uh, when they are letting it all out and, um, and, and it's you know, quite explosive or implosive, if you will? Right, right. So what I, I see with a lot of parents and teens in general is um, teens want their privacy. Right. They want they want to experiment. They want to be able um, to live life right as, um, you know, away from their parents they are trying to gain independence. Parents are also in a kind of a weird place. Adolescence is such a weird place um, where they still want to and need to. Right. For, for that matter. Um, assist their teens, right? They, they, they still need to be working together in order to make sure that your teenager is safe. <laughs> so what ends up happening is teens start to kind of um, maybe unintentionally close themselves off a little bit, right? They, mm -hmm. they have these ideas of things that they might want to do, or they have these ideas or these ex uh, around experiences that are happening around them. Um, but 
the as the expectations from society, et cetera, are starting to increase, they start to have a lot more emotion about what's happening around them in their world, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not really sure at this point because they don't necessarily always have the skills how to talk about some of these experiences that they're having or some of these things that they want to experiment with or that they, they're curious about. And so they start to maybe kind of keep it to themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe um, they kind of chat about it with friends which, you know, again, that still means that they've got this bubbling sense of emotion, right? Mm -hmm. And as parents, right, we want to know what's going on. Like we've, we've read all these books, we've done all these things. Um, we know that you're going through this developmental period of change. So it's got to be coming out of you somehow, right? But it's not, yeah. they're keeping it private. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, one day you sit down on the, on the bed because you notice that they're having a hard day or they were just grumbly all day long. And you look at them and say, okay, that's enough. What's going on? Because mm -hmm. they haven't been telling you anything. And all of a sudden the stream of issues that they have been containing within their body comes flying out of them, but mm -hmm. it comes flying out of them in an explosive way that at the end of the day, they can't really handle. And as a yeah. parent, most most of us don't really have the skill set that we need to be able to help them to stay away from that cycle of stuff, 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 explode in an unhealthy way that I can't actually handle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and so how is this different, this behavior, this experience for, uh, for a teenager, how is this different for a non-highly sensitive kid? You know, what's typical for the hormonal and developmental experience? You know, many parents might be wondering in this, uh, what this stuff, your feelings explode or implode, uh, dynamic, um, uh, you, you, as a parent of a teenager, you could be saying, well, that's just adolescence. That's just what it's supposed to be. The hormones are raging. Um, moods are unpredictable. Uh, moods can switch, you know, turn on a dime or just stay there for, for a week on, on end. How do we know that a sensitive teen is stuck in the shutdown, isolation, even meltdown cycle? Um, and, and compared to a teenager who's just experiencing uh, developmentally appropriate behavior? Giant difference, the intensity with which they are feeling the emotion itself, right? And so when we mm -hmm. think about the intensity as somebody, you know, somebody who's highly sensitive, their, their nervous system feels things differently, right? They, they feel things mm -hmm. more intensely, which means that an event like your person that used to be your best friend last year, all of a sudden just became your frenemy, which is a very typical, normal high school experience, right? Or, or um, you know, experience for a teenager. Um, you know, a kid that's not highly sensitive may have some ups and downs about that, right? Yeah. They may have some thoughts about that. That's normal. Mm -hmm. This is the developing healthy relationships. A kid that's highly sensitive, their ups and downs are going to be peaks and valleys. And within the intensity of those emotions, they're thinking about the situation itself on a deeper level. They're making it mean things like, if this person can't be my best friend, then that means I'm never going to have a best friend again. Right. Nobody will be my best friend. I'll never get another one. Right. Everybody hates me. Uh, right. The level of disastrous catastrophe that this experience uh, creates uh, is, is indicative of, of the teen's emotional experience. This is a clear sign. 
that your teen is experiencing more intense emotions um, and processing the experience with a deeper ripple effect, but unskillfully. And that's really important to pick out, right? Because uh, a teenager might be able to feel big feelings and, and, and process things deeply. What does this all mean for the rest of my life, right? Uh, and a teenager who doesn't have skills to uh, contemplate, does this mean I'll never have friends? And then turn around that statement to wait a minute <laughs> um, and think about it in a different way that's more skillfully talk themselves out of that disastrous thinking, uh, feel themselves out of that disastrous thinking. That's what your a sensitive teen with skills is, is capable of doing. Uh, but a sensitive teen without skills is going to ride that emotional roller coaster. Uh, for weeks on end, right? For um, and and the the depth might might last several days, or it might just you know pop in and out um, in in terms of the volatility of that experience. But um, the certainty that a teenager will speak with uh, that this is the end of the world, um, it, as you know, in their social life as they know it, is uh, quite different than a teen who. Um, is either not highly sensitive or is a highly sensitive teenager with skills to manage their emotions. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the difference between this is sad and frustrating. I might seek out some advice or talk about it to a parent, to an older sibling, to a family friend versus highly sensitive teen. This is, I love the word catastrophic. Yeah ruminating it on on their you know uh, ruminating on it or just having it circle in their mind over and over again while they isolate in their bedroom and don't want to tell anybody about it because of the amount of shame that they're experiencing associated with this obviously is my fault I must be a horrible person if this person doesn't want to be my friend anymore regardless of the circumstance that brought them to that place mm -hmm. and like you said the difference of maybe a week tossing it around that sad, frustrated starts to go down, right? They start to move through the stages of, of grief, if you will, around loss to acceptance of like, yeah, we used to be friends. And now like I've got these other friends and I kind of move about my day versus, you know, that catastrophe with that highly sensitive teen, a couple of, you know, several weeks, maybe three months into the school year, they still haven't actually recovered. And you notice yeah. that they literally go to school, hate it, because they're so afraid of what's going to happen with their peers, with interactions mm -hmm. with other individuals, and then mm -hmm. go to their room and they don't want to talk to anybody. Right, exactly. And you just picked a really good point. The ripple effect of the intensity of the emotion can lead a highly sensitive child and a highly sensitive teen without skills to draw conclusions that actually make it worse. No child right. is put on this earth to be miserable, but a highly sensitive teen or child without skills can actually add intensity to their experiences that perpetuates misery. And so a teen who experiences a, a typical loss of, uh, um, you know, of, of a friend in adolescence who just doesn't want to be their friend anymore and might even spill the tea on some of their, their their, um, you know, secrets that they shared, uh, that is going to impact their wondering of whether or not they can trust the rest of their friends, uh, which is a normal response, right? Well, if, if I trusted you, can I trust somebody else? But a highly sensitive teen is going to move into, I can't trust anybody else. There's no way. And they'll actually start to pull away and isolate from other friends in that dynamic because they've created a rule that people are not trustworthy. It's not worth it. I can't do this. Uh, you know, I can't share with other people because they're going to share 
um, my information, um, you know, I, I can't trust. And so the, the immediate rules that highly sensitive people and highly sensitive teens, especially can create upon one negative experience has uh, such a pervasive uh, effect. And so when we get to what parents, you know, what you might want to do, right? You might notice, okay, wait a minute, my teen has been this down in the dumps for, for 90 days. That's an exceptionally sectional allowed a long time, right? right. Um, and so, you know, what would parents think would need to happen at this point? Uh, what might parents try in this dynamic to, to turn it around? So what we see, typically, parents might try to jump in and fix it right? Mm -hmm. um, now, fix it comes in, in different packages, <laughs> right? There's the jump in and fix it on the emotional level of let's find new friends. Let's do all of the activities. Let's just like fill up our schedule to, to make you feel distracted. There is the fix it mm -hmm. strategy of, oh, we didn't like her anyways, and sit there and badmouth the, the former BFF, right? Um, make mm -hmm. the teen feel, you know, try to make the teen feel like this isn't really a loss, right? So skipping yeah. over the emotion, right? And, and right. pushing them out of it in that way. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. the fix it mode comes in the form of, I just want you to tell me all about that, that flooding, right? I, we didn't name it earlier, yeah. but, but that's really what we're talking about is what, mm -hmm. you know, when you come in and you're sitting on that bed and you're, you're noticing, You've been in this room for about two months and you're still feeling pretty miserable over this best friend thing. I think it's time we talk about it and yeah. they start to talk about it if they can, because a lot of teens, right. In all of these scenarios may completely shut you down and tell you to get out of their room. I don't want to talk about it because in yeah. their minds, that means they have to talk about, I'm a horrible person that doesn't deserve friends. Right. So right. we got nothing at all. We got a lot of refusals, which can turn into that explosive behavior of get out of my room leaving the parent kind yeah. of lost and going, okay, geez, <laughs> or okay, exactly. <laughs> Wrong time. Right. So then you're in either walking on eggshells as a parent right. or, um, just thinking that your teen will never open up to you. So there's despair there. There's worry, there's fear right. around, uh, the dynamic of how am I supposed to help if they won't, uh, let me in. Um, and I, I love that we're talking about this concept of flooding because a parent might then decide, or even you know, prior to that, as part of the fix it, uh, decide to sign their their teenager up for individual therapy. Now, right. as a highly sensitive teen stuck in the meltdown, shutdown, refusal cycle, isolation right. cycle, um, going to individual therapy. What is a typical individual therapist uh, going to do to try to solve this problem? Tell me about everything that's the problem. Tell me about all of the yeah. stuff. I want to hear all of the facts, similar to what the parent's going to do. Right. And, and yeah. not necessarily aware of the fact that when we repeat back a memory, when we repeat back a situation, we give ourselves access to all of the memories or all of the emotions, I'm sorry, associated with those memories. And for a highly sensitive mm -hmm. teen, somebody that experiences emotions more intensely, it's too much emotion. So that yeah. concept of flooding is, yeah, it, it might seem like it's a great idea to get all of this out of you, to get all of these emotions out of you, but not if. These are complex, intense mm -mm. emotions that have been built up over time yeah. or that are associated with something that, let's face it, losing your, your best friend forever, um, you know, at, in high school and feeling ostracized, that's a little mm -hmm. dramatic for some people, right? And right. highly sensitive or not, that can be pretty intense. Um, yeah. and, and so being, you know, being put in a position of, 
I need you to bring all of that back up. I, you have to bring all of that up. So maybe even feeling like they don't have a choice or they're feeling trapped. Well, I have to do this because this is what my parent is telling me, or this is what the therapist that knows what they're doing is telling me all of this emotion comes up. And now I feel completely out of control because my whole body is radiating. Yeah. Yeah. So drained. Exactly. Exactly. And so then it creates a situation where the teen is perpetuating venting in, uh, in the therapy setting. And not only is that super ineffective, right. And just in terms of, you know, you and I have been therapists for uh, longer than 10 years. We've been working, both of us working in the mental health field, um, since high school, um, and, and in our personal lives had connection even prior to that. So we've been around the block (laughs) for, uh, for many, many years in terms of observing skill sets of professionals in this field. And right. so now as coaches, when we hear that a, a teen or even a child ha- has been just, you know, spewing forth um, what it is that they are, um, that they're worried about or what's been on their mind, what they've been struggling with. And that's the majority of the session time um, for, you know, in working with a therapist, uh, it's like nails on the chalkboard for, for me, I, I can imagine. Um, similarly, <laughs> I see you nodding. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I start grinding my teeth. Right. Um, why, <laughs> why? Right. Uh, because a, a teenager who is stuck in this experience of feeling overwhelmed by their emotion and uh, the depth and, of the emotion going deeper, 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 um, with conclusions that, that create not only shame, but also perpetuate, uh, self-criticism, low self-esteem, even depression and anxiety symptoms. Um, the, the teen at that point, stopping the conversation is a skill right? Think about this. If you've got like a geyser just spewing out, 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 and and, and there's no stopping, putting a a top on that geyser um, is, is helpful, feels like there's relief there. And so once you, and we we use the concept, I mean, the the metaphor of Pandora's box with our clients a lot, right? Um, But if you've got a professional or a parent who's like, no, 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 take the lid off. Good. (laughs) What happens? The teen is soaking wet. Uh, at the end of it. And then you're like, thank you so much. That was really helpful information. The teen feels used and abused in that experience. I mean, right. now what, right? right now what? So there's relief in terms of the, per, the yeah, the pressure and helpless. Exactly. The pressure has been released, right? All of that um, bubbling. Uh, I'm using the example of water. We can use lava. We can use Pandora's box, whatever, right? All of that's out, but it doesn't like talking about it doesn't stop it from bubbling back up and from accumulating. Again, we use this concept of, of a geyser, uh, the water's still under the surface. It's going to come to the surface again without skills to learn how to dissipate it. And this is really important because what is, what, what do teens actually need uh, when they are stuck in this cycle, right? Highly sensitive teens who are stuck in this cycle uh, need a specific set of skills to, to manage their own emotional intensity. Right. So that doesn't feel unbearable. Right. Right. And um, you know, it's funny, we're having this conversation. I had a trainer once um, that um, discussed um, venting without problem solving is just leaving someone further in the hole. Yeah. Right. Because we're just reiterating. So just like Megan was saying, we're literally just reiterating all of the problems, but we're not offering somebody a solution. That is what hopelessness is. Yeah. That is not a coping skill. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we move from this place of what kind of what comes next 
problem solving. Problem solving mm-hmm. comes next. Here's the key. Problem solving isn't necessarily fixing it. Mm-hmm. Problem solving is helping someone to address the emotions that they're experiencing so that they can feel in control of themselves again, so that they can access hope, so they can access a path forward. That's yeah. where we're going to move next. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> This is really important because in both of our careers, we've supervised not only young therapists, but also therapists who've been working for a really long time who just didn't have this skill set. And, um, you know, in, in that, um, a therapist who hears the spewing forth, um, what's the typical reaction that a therapist, uh, has, uh, you know, how do they receive that information? Let's talk about this in terms of how they view, um, whether or not this is helpful, useful, et cetera. Um, because if a teen is going to therapy inventing, it's important to understand the, the missing pieces that a lot of professionals are, are perpetuating here. Yeah. So, um, typically what you'll see, um, you know, with someone that's a little bit less skilled, um, that really hasn't do, you know dived into some of the concepts that we're talking about here and, and really understanding and valuing them. Um, they might you know start to move directly into like that that problem solving, but problem solving things similar to what a parent would do, right? Mm-hmm. So that idea of, okay, well we're just going to help you make more friends. Yeah. Like where can you meet more friends? Mm-hmm. What would that be like? Let's make you a know? list. Yeah, let's make a list. Let's make a checklist. What's that going to be like? How Let's are you going to practice icebreakers? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get those social skills going. But at the end yeah. of the day, we're forgetting the component that you, you can't use social skills. You're not going to show up mm-hmm. as your as your best self and someone that someone else is going to want to relate to, even on, on a nervous system level, especially, um, if you don't feel confident, if you don't feel in control of your emotions. Mm-hmm. So at the end mm-hmm. of the day, what we end up doing is sabotaging that team. Yeah. Because now we put them into a new situation where they are seeking to confirm what they already know to be true. I am not worthy of being a friend. And mm-hmm. they're going to prove it because they don't mm-hmm. have the emotional control to be in the situation they're now in. Yeah, exactly. Highly sensitive teens need the skill to understand the concept of self-fulfilling prophecy and break down uh, any sort of ineffective self-fulfilling prophecies before they fulfill them. Uh, and, and that's a, a big missing component to, um, to, to, you know, to, to the traditional way of, of just going through talk therapy. Um, so when you get to the point of understanding the dynamic that's necessary and why highly sensitive teens are so much more receptive to coaching and, and especially in this dynamic, um, they're looking for direct skills, but with the contingency that they're, they're not expected to spew out all of their emotional experiences while they're building those skills. And, and so, you know, a typical therapist would be like, oh, you just shared all of this with me. Good. You know, and they're rubbing their hands. They're like, now we got something to work with. They're ready to dive in. Right. But, you know, I've used this metaphor before and I just can't stop using it. Like you can't teach somebody to digest well, if you're asking them to vomit, like (laughs) the therapist gets all the vomit and it's, you know, it's so (laughs) gross, but like, I have to use it again because it's, it's, you know, in this dynamic, it's just like, the therapist is like, yes, I have all this puke here. Like, let me dive through it's tons, tons of information. Great. Right. Like, let me, there's pieces of food here and I'll stop. I'll stop being gross. Um, uh, and now I have something to work with. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
you had something to work with when the kid was shutting down. Right, right, absolutely. That's a symptom of the meltdown cycle that we need to be focused on. And so, so being able to shift this in a different dynamic where, um, where, where the teen is focused on moving forward and reaching their expectations, reaching their goals, they have their, their goal-oriented goal because many highly sensitive teens are also high achieving. Uh, they might even be intellectually gifted or some other creatively gifted. You know, we have so many clients who are just beautiful artists. Right. Um, uh, in, in our, in our, in our, in our work, um, what we've seen, how they process the emotional experience and get it out. I mean, what, what a highly sensitive kids can do when, uh, and teens can do when you give them, um, you know, a pen and a, and a blank piece of paper, it's, it's just beautiful. Um, and, and the experience of being able to do that in order to reach a goal of, of breaking out of the cycle of feeling cool, calm, collected when making, you know, reaching their expectations in school, et cetera. Um, and with friends, right. Which is our primary example today. The, the dynamic of being able to do this in a step-by-step process is incredibly important. You know, teens need to be able to break out of that mindset perspective that the world is ending and that they don't have the ability to be, you know, to be skillful, right. And this is not something that a parent can just say, right. We already talked about how reassurance just creates this divide uh, where the teen feels like you're trying to convince them of something they already feel pretty solid in, um, Mm -hmm. in their belief system. So they need to change that belief system. And that has to be direct work with the teen and uh, work with the parent to not sabotage it. And then on top of that, you know, being able to build that connectivity in a way that, that is pacing uh, the the teenager and managing that emotion. Um, And that needs to help. um, You have to balance the understanding that you're not going to be teaching or treating your teenager like they're fragile either. Right. Right. Um, uh, But it's also really important to balance expectations. Your highly sensitive teen who is just in this vent session cycle um, is does not have skills that is not skillful to just let it all out um, that there's there's no dial in that experience there's no toning down there's no dissipating of the emotion or pacing of the emotional experiencing uh, those are all skills that a highly sensitive teen needs in order to stay consistently out of the isolation cycle parents right. who you know take their teen to therapy drop them off the teen might feel better for a couple of days because they they loosened their grip right, right. Um, but then they're right back into the same pattern when something else happens, if you're not building those pervasive skills and the teen starts to think, well, you know, is going to therapy even relevant, or they start to think, you know what, I've got this right. And, um, and yet the cycle continues as the parent. And so you can feel, um, pretty, you know, pretty, um, frustrated, right. But, but also lost in terms of wanting your teen to keep going to these therapy sessions because you don't see pervasive change. Uh, but the teen is starting, you know, recognizes that venting is just a waste of time. Um, right. and it's so another... good, sorry. Mm-hmm. You well, I just, the, the, <laughs> you know, the, the conclusion that they draw is I can do that with my friends or I can do that, you know, through thinking, right. Cause rumination is internal venting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and so what do I need to go talk to somebody about this for? So I I've got, this doesn't mean I have the skills to manage my emotions. I've got, this means I don't need somebody to hear me explode. Um, I can do that on my own. Right. And so that's a completely different dynamic, but a teenager isn't going to be a teenager without skills. Isn't as articulate in being able to share their, you know, their process, how they process their emotions skillfully, because they don't even know that those skills exist. 
Right. Right. You got me excited talking about this because like I'm just sitting here <laughs> preach. Um, <Yeah>. but the, <laughs> you said something really important in yeah. there. You, you were noticed, um, you know, that, that venting is, is not emotional experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have, in order to feel in control of an emotion and to build skills to control emotion, you have to be able to, ex- you know, the goal is to be able to experience emotion, which means that you've got to do it in little pieces. Um, yeah. And when we think about what venting really is, venting is the opposite of all of that. It's emotional avoidance. It's Let me blackout. get it out as quickly <laughs> as I can. So I don't yeah, have to yeah. your body's shutting down in things. that dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. And we're both so excited. We keep talking. Over each other. Can you tell this is a topic worth talking about? <laughs> uh, yes, for sure. Oh my goodness gracious. It's like, you know, um, yeah. I mean, think about it. Like when you blurt out like, blah, I can't believe it. I just need to let it out. Blah. Yeah. Do you even remember what you said? No, you certainly don't remember what you felt like right? It's just the stream of consciousness. You can't control it. And, uh, as a, as an adult, you might do it less often, right? Um, or you might do it with somebody who can then help you problem solve. And and if you're not highly sensitive, um, it might feel helpful, even though it's not helpful for anybody to be venting, um, highly sensitive or not. Um, but if you're, if you are highly sensitive, you're as an adult, you're likely feeling embarrassed. Holy smokes. I can't believe I shared that with, with my, my dear friend, or I can't believe I just talked to my husband like that or, um, you know, whatever, whoever you share it with, um, the embarrassment of venting it and, and having that emotional explosion, um, is, is, is very present as a highly sensitive adult. So noticing that for a highly sensitive teen, same things going on, right? The skill set is lacking and, um, and that needs to be a dual process, highly sensitive parents plus highly sensitive kid or non-highly sensitive parent, you need to be able to learn to, to speak your teen's language and help them pace that process. But you're both, you both have to learn that language at the same time. Otherwise, uh, your teen's going to be ahead of you. And, um, and then that's going to feel even more invalidating because highly sensitive teens already feel misunderstood, um, disconnected from their, from their parents. And uh, especially stuck in the meltdown shut, shut down cycle. That's something that's been going on for years, whether or not the shutdowns have been happening for years. Maybe you experienced meltdowns when your child was, was younger um, or nothing. It was just, um, you know, this subacute experience for, for quite some time. And then now at, at the hormonal experiences, the deeper um, level of responsibility, the bigger um, level of independence creates this dynamic now you know my kid was able to handle strife with reassurance from me um and you know basically being a clinging octopus for for as long as I can handle it but now that I'm expecting my teen to handle themselves um that that cycle of enablement has has reared its ugly head uh, and you're experiencing your teen to not um not be capable of of dealing with it and this is something that I witnessed as my parents parented my sister. So it's not just something that we know how to handle professionally. It's really tiring to watch a family member go through this. Um, and the whole entire family at this level, uh, believes that the highly sensitive person in the family, the, the teenager can't handle it. Um, at that point, you know, I remember watching my sister just, you know, freak out about all the expectations that were on her plate. Uh, she was, you know, athletic, um, had, you know, a busy social life also had, you know, lots of schoolwork to do and, um, schoolwork didn't come easy for her. She was able to achieve good grades with support. Um, but that was, there was a lot of emotional handholding that my parents did to support her in that. 
Um, and, and it created this wedge of like, you're just not capable of doing this on your own. And that drastically impacted her success in, in, in life. And we see this all the time with the teens that we talk to, um, you know, here in this work, and then also the work we've done over the years in our clinical practice. Um, the expectation that your teen should just be able to figure it out or should already have the skills that you think you, you have or that you think um, they have creates a bigger wedge um, that that is part of the reason why this venting might feel like for you a move step in the right direction because finally you hear some information uh, but really is is just the opposite side of the same coin of skilllessness. And we didn't even touch on all of the relationship repairs that you have to do after you vent. We don't need to go down that alley, but know that yeah. that's a whole different alley that, that Megan's right. kind of hinting at right now. Right. Um, you know, and, and noticing how that really reinforces a team's desire to, you know, maybe push themselves more into isolation, right. Mm-hmm. Or push themselves towards ineffective coping. Right. We, yeah. we also haven't really touched on like, the, the results of mm-hmm. getting all of this emotion out, right? Um, and feeling mm-hmm. flooded and then thinking about everything that you just said while you're sitting there by yourself and noticing, I don't know what to do with myself. So let me veg a little bit more. Maybe, you know, if you're lucky, it's on Netflix, um, yeah. you know, that, that we're doing that emotional avoidance. But, you know, certainly mm-hmm. can be as emotion increases, it can be other things, right? It can be vape pens, it can be alcohol, it can be um, different drugs, it can be, um, you know, self-injury, right? If we're really getting to that place of that level of numbness, that's when, when yeah. self-injury can certainly come up or that intensity of the emotion, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, even kind of a, you know, a, a sense of attacking the self. I don't, I'm not worthy, right? Um, yeah. So lots and lots and lots of different things um, certainly spin off of what we're saying and, and why just understanding the concept of the flooding, just understanding that really we need to build some skill sets here so that, um, that, you know, teenagers with these really intense emotions can balance, right? So that, so that they can have an experience just like every other teenager and be able to use that experience to better themselves and to create the life that they want, right? So that they can create um, a space for themselves where they they are going off to college if that's what they want, or they are starting um, a job and and um, you know getting an apartment at you know once they turn eighteen or or as they get older if that's what they want. Um, mm-hmm. But they're doing it with confidence, and they're doing it with a confidence mm-hmm. that I can start and end relationships. Right, just mm-hmm. you're kind of stuck with this example, on uh, you know in a way that feels good for me. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, experiencing an event where you didn't have any control and then also having uh, the experience of an emotional uh, lack of control uh, is a double whammy for a teenager. And so um, especially for highly sensitive teens, that experience and that belief that, um, you know what, I can't even, um, I can't even contemplate being able to say no to anybody who would actually want to be my friend now, um, because I'm just so desperate for, you know, and lonely, um, desperate for friendships and, and in desperation, people act out of systems. <laughs> um, you know, you need to be able to, to follow skills and learn skills systematically, uh, before it gets to the point where, where you're desperate. Cause once you get to the point where, where 
a teen or even a parent is acting in desperation, um, it's really, really difficult to even follow a plan at that point. Um, so it might not even be a fit for the work that we do at that point, right. because, um, because the, there's such a crisis level experience going on in the home. Um, and that would be more appropriate for, for therapy, um, dynamic, but, uh, finding a therapist who understands that, that, um, that skill level is, is few and far between, I have to say, just because we've been helping people around the world, uh, for years now. And, um, we haven't seen people who really understand this dynamic and can turn it around fast. Uh, instead, we've seen parents who, and teens who have uh, gotten out of the crisis cycle, worked with somebody uh, to, to break out of that pattern, but not the deeper patterns that have perpetuated the issues. And then they come to us. So um, the experience that I think is important for us to, to kind of acknowledge is that this um, there is a way out, you know, highly sensitive teens and their venting component. That is not, that is not part of the personality trait. And that's really, really important to understand. Experiencing deep emotions does not go hand in hand with exploding on those deep emotions with blasting them out or numbing them out. That's a lack of, that's a symptom of lack of skillfulness, a lack right. of skills. Skills are easy to teach when you have a positive environment, especially with the parenting environment involved. So highly sensitive teens, highly sensitive children alike change their relationship to themselves when their relationship with their parents becomes more positive. And that's the opposite of, of what's necessary for a non-highly sensitive child or teen. Non-highly sensitive child or teen is going to count um, the positivity in their life more regularly once they feel better about themselves. But a highly sensitive child or teen needs to feel better about themselves through feeling better about their child, their relationship with their parents. So the relationship with the parents helps them feel better about themselves, which then allows them to, to take action um, in their life outside of um, uh, outside of the home in more consistent ways. We call this generalizing the skill. So if your teen is showing up like a people-pleasing perfectionist in school, for example, uh, that's not skillfulness. That's just holding it all in, right? And, right. and trying to perform for other people. So uh, it's a facade and that dynamic um, is not uh, to, you know, it's not to be mistaken as, um, as skillfulness, but once you shift uh, being able to understand your teen and, and the ability for your teen to, um, you know, to, to speak with you in a call in a collected way, they might necessarily be calm because if they're upset, that's, that's okay to not be calm. Right. Um, but it, there's a big difference between explosion and, and just feeling like there's, there's no end in sight to, to the vent session versus uh, an outburst or um, a, a comment of despair and then a willingness to problem solve after that even. And that's important because a teenager who's willing is often going to initiate either their own ideas to solve the problem or specific questions that will help them solve the problem. The woe is me um, vent component of despair um, is often met with a problem solving um, response from the parent. We talked about that earlier. Um, and then frequently and consistently discounted by the teen. You get a lot of yes buts as a result, right? But a teen who has skills is able to take that in, but, but ask for it first. Uh, right. You can't ask for help if you don't feel regulated and capable of implementing it. So right. that's what we teach our, our, our clients. And it's incredibly important for you to seek support that has that um, component. So, um, you know, any, anything that's last words, I should say on them before we wrap up our, our show for today. 
on this no it's a deep topic <laughs> i was gonna say yeah like you're asking me a trick question because the answer is going to be yes i could sit here for hours right we could have, <laughs> we could have this conversation on and on and so i want to say no and i do need to reflect on because a lot of the the um you know, audience of this is going to be parents, not not teenagers, right? Um, mm -hmm. And you know, you might show it to your team, but more than likely, you're a parent watching this. Um, mm -hmm. And and so, I want to take a second and just validate the the parental experience associated with what we just talked about. We just you know yeah. spent this time talking about what your team is going through and and how important it is for you to um, you know support your team in a way that's actually going to work, right? So to yeah. decrease their frustration, but that is not to say that, you know, there isn't this entire flip side of it, which we touched on briefly, but, you know, even, you know, from a parent, from a parent perspective, you're experiencing pain, you're experiencing frustration, you're experiencing your own helplessness. You, you know, it, it can create conflict within the home in a way that you didn't expect, right? Like yeah, there, yeah. there's so many things that you can expect when you have a teenager that like, oh yeah, they're going to experiment with things or, oh yeah. You know, we're going to have to put some boundaries up, but here's this level of emotion for yourself, especially if you're a highly sensitive parent that might just make you feel hopeless, right? Helpless. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's not, we're not doing this just to help support your team. We're also doing this to help to support you. And I think that's really yeah. kind of where your messaging was, um, you know, towards the, the end, Megan, like this is, this is for both of you guys, because you need each other during this period. Mm -hmm. It's a family dynamic issue. The meltdown shutdown cycle, no matter how old the, the child or teen is, is a family dynamic issue. That means the entire family needs to be served into the outcome of breaking out of the cycle. And uh, that's why you know, we talk about how it's so necessary for parents to be in charge of this growth, because if you've got multiple children um, or there's multiple parents in the home, the dynamic is completely um it needs to be shifted from, from multifacets. So it requires a lot of support. It requires a lot of accountability. It requires systematic troubleshooting as well, because uh, there is no one size fits all system to, uh, to fix the problem. There's one size fits all um, strategy to, to turn this around, but you need to be able to troubleshoot based on how your child or teen communicates based on how they respond. And that requires uh, work with a professional. So if all of this is resonating with you and you find yourself feeling like you need the support as well as your teen, and uh, you're recognizing that this is something that you want to break out of this pattern now and also quickly, uh, we encourage you to go ahead and book a call with our team. And uh, we would be happy to support you in understanding whether or not what we do is going to help you break out of the pattern that you're stuck in. In order to do that, we have to have a conversation. We need to speak about where you're stuck. We need to talk to your teenager. Again, if this is a highly sensitive teen, we need to make sure that they're willing to do the work, but also yeah. they have the clarity and want to support them to, to, to that clarity as well. And uh, we can help you find a way to get your teen on the phone if you think that that is an issue too. So uh, just reach out to us and we can support you in that as well. We're, we're quite good at this. And, um, and then you need to be able to understand what the goals are, right? Is your teen motivated to, to live their best life? Are you motivated to live your best life uh and in that rather than just chalking it up to adolescence and hoping that once your, your teen matures they'll they'll feel better about how you how you talk to them um and then being able to understand the the dynamic of whether or not what we do is going to be a good fit for what you need and if that's the case then we break it down and share with you exactly how we'll help you and you can get started right away 
Uh, same thing would be relevant for parents of children, though the conversation is just with the parents. Uh, and if none of what we do is going to be an appropriate fit, then we would be referring you to more appropriate professional. Like we've mentioned before, what we do and is um, is specific and and there's there's clarity there, but. Sometimes the shutdowns are caused by something else other than your child being highly sensitive. And for that reason, we need to assess the, the situation and we would, we would acknowledge that uh, a different mode of, of support uh, to include even mental health treatment might be a more appropriate route for your family. And we're happy to, to point you in that direction with, with clarity. Um, so either way, uh, it's a win-win on that conversation. We get to support you and, um, you know, and have those conversations and we're happy to do that. And you get to know exactly what your next steps are. Uh, we look forward to speaking with you and have a great day. Bye guys. Thank you for joining me on this episode of how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. We release a brand new episode every week. So be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.